Right. Hello. Good evening. Welcome, as always, to the Big Issues podcast with me, Daud Khan. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about reinventing governments. Now, I know this is going to be an interesting topic uh, to look at the idea of reinventing our government, looking at reinventing departments and rebuilding departments and restructuring government. I promise you, it sounds more interest. It is going to be more interesting than it sounds. I promise you. Uh, ah, Mr. Roxburgh has arrived. Let's go in. Connecting. James? Yeah? Am I clear as, as last week? Yeah. Good, good. I'm very now, I'm, I'm unusually being self-conscious. This is not something that you normally <laughs> experience with me. Normally I walk into the room and just be me, but with, with the microphone I have to be a bit self-conscious because otherwise you'll, I'll sound like mumbles. So, yeah. um... But you're fine, you're fine. All right, jolly good. Uh, this week, an episode on reinventing government. Now, James and I have been busy this week, um, so we're going to revert to the oldest format in the book of literally freestyling an episode for 70 minutes and praying for the best. <laughs> praying that we, <laughs> praying that we don't, that I don't say something utterly obnoxious or say that George Bush didn't win 2000 or that God knows whatever, whatever could come out my mouth. This is uh, an unsafe format for the podcast. However, it is some of our most creative formats. So, if you're listening right now, uh, I'd cross your fingers and pray. <laughs> the doubt, the, I don't get wound up. So, basically, we're going to look at the UK cabinet departments with Secretary of State roles and just say, would we keep them? Would we break them up? Would we adjust them? How would we adjust them, etc. This is right. Those who listen to episode 50, the Dowd and James's ideal cabinet episode, this isn't that. This is not us talking about politicians. This is us looking at the d- departments and the Pacific departments and breaking them up and looking at new new provisions. But basically, it's a whole reinventing government thesis. I promise yeah. you, it's going to sound more clearer as I go along. I can be articulate, but I can't make the unarticulate sound articulate. Right. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I can't sound batshit mental stuff that comes up my head at 11 o'clock in the evening sound articulate. Unless I'm pressed to, then I can. <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to take this one by one. Uh, we, should we just start from the Attorney General's office and work our way down? Um, yeah, yeah. Do you have the Wikipedia article? I've got the Wikipedia. You go first, Darren, you go first. Do you have it in front of you, though? Yeah, I'm listening in front of me now. So, All right. yes, Department of the Government, Department of the Government of the UK. Right, okay. Any department that we don't want to break up, we're just going to say we'll leave it as it is. So, for example, the yeah. Attorney General's office is something we have to just keep intact. It doesn't do much harm to anybody. I mean, there is a case to say why don't you put it within the Justice Department, but I think the Attorney General is an independent law officer who can preside over the government's actions now that's true to been devalued over the last 30 years but we should make an independent law officer within the attorney general the attorney general's office who basically oversees this government's actions so i wouldn't do much to change that nor would i change the cabinet office the cabinet office is the massive link between the permanent secretary and the head of the home civil service and the prime minister's office and i think that's a very important link so, yeah. so those two I would keep intact. I assume you'd keep those two intact, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, there's, you can't change. There's nothing to change than those two. Now for something I'd break up. The Department of Bus- for Business and Trade. This is a department I would abolish and replace it with four departments. So first, you'd have a Department of Enterprise and Innovation. Now, the Department of Enterprise and Innovation would be headed by somebody who works worked in the Confederation of British Industry, who's worked in private enterprise, and they would be working in the three divisions. First, an office of tax simplification, an office of regulatory reform, and the industrial, and they will have direct links with a new department for industrial cooperation. So what the mm-hmm. Department of Enterprise will doing is how to, it's basically, it'll be the lobbyists for private enterprise, how to reduce regulation on, provi- on, on planners, how to lower the taxes, how to lower tax rates and to reform the tax code for the 20th century, how to rewrite all the regulations into plain English, something we've got to do. And then you do that and you have a Department of Innovation that will basically become the R&D of this government's wing. 
maybe looking at new mechanisms of enhancing technology into private enterprise, whether it's in industrial manufacturing or service production, whatever, maybe look at harnessing technology and new methods to enhance productivity at lower costs. So that's the, that's the innovation part of the new department for enterprise and uh, innovation. But then looking at the next department I create within, so after I've done that, I'd also create a department for industrial cooperation. So this is all replacing the Department for Business and Trade. So I'd have a department mm -hmm. for industrial cooperation that would be like an industrial council. So where the unions and private enterprise can meet and discuss and talk. And this Secretary of State for Industrial Cooperation, would, their only job would be to ensure that public sector unions and public sector workers, sorry, holders and private enterprise unions and private enterprise management have good relations. So we don't see strikes. Yeah. The third department I'd create is a department for consumer protection. Now, obviously, Martin Lewis would have to head this department since he's an expert. Um, mm -hmm. And what it'd be focused on, first of all, be rewriting all consumer regulations into plain English, clarifying, rewriting, deregulating, or enhancing even. And it would be focused on have a specific legal authority to enforce consumer regulations. So if a management provider of a business is breaking consumer laws or workers' rights, then they say, no, no, this is in the law. You can't go around hiking prices up by 35% just to extreme your profits higher. You know, that's what, so I, so I do that. So that would replace the Department of Business element of the DBT. Now for the trade element, I'd create a Department of International Trade and Domestic Manufacturing. What, sorry, Department for Domestic Manufacturing and International Trade. All that would do is exactly what it says. It'll focus on in using the green technologies and our new technology to create a, a modern manufacturing economy and then would go back into the single market so we can trade it with our European allies. So that's how, that's yeah. how I break up the Department for Business and Trade. You create four new departments. Yeah. I mean, I I, I agree with you in that in that sense. But mm. for me, uh, for for me, for when it comes to business and trade, I would I, I would um I would break it up into I would break the departments up. I would break it up into similar departments as what you just said. Yeah. I, would, I would also I'd, I'd also add an extra department, which is um which is basically the department for James's monopolies. No, 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 of trade unions. I'd make a department oh. of trade unions. So there's a so there's a direct minister who's responsible for trade unions, and mm. so so they can talk to them on. And obviously, if you don't like the person you can make them that job as well you can give them that See, job what i was going to do was i was going to take that with you know when i was going to break up the department for work and pensions mm. then i was going to create sector of state for unions ah see i i think i i think for the department for business and trade i would put it in the business part of it and make it business relations rather than um what rather industrial than... corporation yeah hmm, that's interesting thought actually it's not a bad thought Okay, let's move on to the department that in Liz Truss's book, Out of the Blue, uh, most of her rivals wanted, and she had disdain for them for wanting this department, the Department for Culture, Media and Sport, a department that was once mocked, parided, ostracised, made fun of, until David Miller and then Tony Banks took it over. Uh, yeah. What I would do... Well, the thing is, I have such a lack of interest in this department... <laughs> Um, I create a department for the arts and national heritage. I'd bring that back. So that would run the theatre, our museums, our galleries. That would run that department. I'd create a department for uh, media regulation. And yeah. I would get James, my best friend James Roxburgh here to head that department. Any news story unfavourable to the government, censor it, censor it. No, that's <laughs> lies. We're not having this. Thank you very much. See, this is how you know we're live and uninterrupted. <laughs> this, this has not been edited out yet. Um, so, yeah, we'll have that. Department for Media Protection and Regulation. Uh, I'm sure I'll oh, get James to head that up. And then we'll have a Department for Sports. And this mm. would have the same level of investment in the Premier League, same investment in football, same in Royal Ascot, same investment in the Tottenham Racing, etc., and rugby. And would focus on, re on rebuilding and modernising sports grounds. Yeah. So, that, that, as you can see, I've broken that up into three because I really just don't give a shit. I, I agree. I agree. I'd split these three up into different sections themselves. Yeah. Also, I'd I'd introduce a um a a talent or a foster talent department, which basically mm. fosters talent from all areas and from mm. the so it'll be the subsection of the department of culture, media, and sport. 
and it mm. will be a subsection of each one. So it'll be a subsection of media, so the Boston Times, and sports, and, uh, different cultures, different media, and it will be basically combine them together to make a situation where we can, um, where it will basically meet mainly in sports, and it would invest in developing the skills and expertise of its staff members uh, through training and development programs, and yeah. it would also produce, it would also become, make England and Great Britain itself more competitive on a global scale. Oh, I agree with that. I certainly think the department for fostering talent or news talent spotting is very wise. But I think yeah. within the sports, we've got to have a focus within the department on rebuilding sports grounds, rebuilding stadiums, yeah. rebuilding rugby stadiums, rebuilding horse race, whatever. Rebuilding and refurbishing them so we can have modern sports grounds and modern training sites, etc. Uh, yeah. So that's very key. But yeah, I like that. That's a good idea, actually. Okay, Department of Education. Now we go back on ah back onto the ideas of politics. Department of Education. What would you do, Jim Jam? Well, for ed- for education, again, I can't believe um... most of the Tory leadership contenders wanted the Department of CMS. Fucking idiots, honestly. <laughs> That's why I got into so, politics. So... Talk about culture. Get out. So 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 for 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 education, I think I think the first the issue is is that there's a lack of communication between the government and there's a lack of communication between everything. So for I for, agree. For, for, I'd I'd improve communication. So. Not only not affect not not only effective communication among staff members inside the school between head mm-hmm. teachers and teachers and teachers and uh, uh, support teachers, it would also be it would also be the depart uh, teachers themselves and the head teachers towards the higher ups in the department of education, um, and this is in order to make it function effi- uh, efficiently. The uh, department would also consider implementing regular meetings, creating com- uh, communicational channels, and using technology to improve collaboration. Um, I would also I would also enhance. Um, oh, sorry, I would also focus on teacher training and development. I would I would introduce I would introduce a new department that that would focus on not only education but when we get to the health sector and other sectors that are like that, I would come into it a bit more. But would basically focus uh, the department for education could invest in this along with other departments to focus on developing skills and expertise of teachers who are going for university through the training and development programs, and it would help to improve the quality of education and increase staff retention as well also also when it comes to is it Ofsted is the education one mm-hmm. yeah when it comes to Ofsted I would improve school inspection and evaluation uh, so when you abolish them edu- yes that's what I'm saying so I would abolish them I'm replacing I'm Ofsted with a uh, with a more sen- sensible regulatory body I mean with Ofsted in my view isn't the principle, the principle of oversight and accountability is one I 100% agree with. It's the yeah. uselessness of these people. First of all, every teacher hates them. Secondly, they bully students. There's reports of them doing that. Thirdly, they write lies about the schools. Fourthly, their downgrading and regrading is often based on, let's just say, disrepute, alleged disrepute. I use the Ian Hislop thesis. If you use the word allegedly when criticising someone, you can't be sued or liable for it. <laughs> so you'd abolish them. I don't see the point to them. I see the point to a more localised oversight body where they actually know the school, know the teachers, know the students. And then the, the oversight would be far more interesting than a bunch of box-ticking twats, personally. Well, I, I'd agree. That, and, that's speaking of box, and speaking of box-ticking twats, we should have an episode on the budget this week. Uh, it's yeah. fine. That that'll be this Sunday's episode reacting to the budget because the government has said they're gonna abolish the work capability assessments for disabled people, which had me very loudly cheering. Well done, Jeremy mm. Hunt. Because those assessments brought in by Mr. James Pennell of the, the new Labour government, but they're made a thousand times worse by Ian Duncan Smith, the man who discovered poverty at 54 and brought in the bedroom tax. Uh mm-hmm. basically had driven disabled people to suicide, cut their benefits deliberately for not appearing at work meetings, even when they had no public transport or they were physically incapable of going there. And the fact they're being scrapped now shows at least there are at least one, uh, a few ministers that don't have complete rocks for brains. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that, um, I, I'd, I'd also introduce... Would you create a department for schools which have interest? Yeah, so so again, what what I would do, I would make the education department. I'll split it up again, so we yeah. have primary, secondary, and university, as well as call uh, as well as colleges and so on. 
So all, all, all type of educational facilities will be in a, will have their own department to go to. Yeah, good idea. Is there anything where the re-break up, I agree with that personally, and that's very, you know, sensible, wise stuff, because you've got to break up, have a department for childcare, department for primary education, department for sexual education, department for colleges and higher education, and department for job training. Break these, my way, these are not departments like we know them today. These would be mini departments. They'd be downsized departments, but they'd be specialized departments. They'd specialize yeah. in childcare, specialized education, in the secondary schools. And you'd actually have it composed of teachers, of students, of parents, of people. It's like when Theresa May did uh, the tuition fee review in 2018, I think it was, um, to respond to Jeremy Corbyn getting so much support for abolishing university tuition fees to those fuckers who trembled it in 2010. Yeah. Do you know who she got? To, do you know who she got to review the tuition fee system? Who? Philip Arger. Do you know who Philip Arger is, James? No. A banker. <laughs> what? What does he know about tuition fees? He's a banker. Come on, get someone from the NUS to review it. Get a get a, a university lecturer to review it. No, no, we must have bankers reviewing it. Fucking hell. So. Make government more accountable to the people, and that you have people who actually have policies affecting. So, if you're going to review the health service, get a junior doctor, get a panel of junior doctors, of nurses, of, of physicians, of medical providers, of patients, of union officials to talk about the national health service reforms, not just bankers and business people who probably go to bed every night dreaming of why can't we have the poor induced with rickets. <laughs> You can see I speak very highly of my fellow capitalists. Yes. No. I mean, they probably do, let's be honest. Um, probably. They probably do. They're very, they're very cold-hearted people, the, the bankers. They crash the economy, get $700 billion of, of bailouts, $100 billion of bonuses, and then they say, well, why should we be grateful? We're the aggrieved here. Yeah. The only people more or less... In 2009... The only people less popular than traffic wardens, bankers. <laughs> but no, I think I think that's good. I think you know, let's have let's have reappropriation departments, small size departments, but have them with te- have them with specialists. Write reports in plain English. This will go a long yeah. way to rebuilding the trusting government. It's when we reduce the policy report instead of using legislative language that only people like me and you can understand. Write it in plain, like Nye Bevan famously said. With us, why do you believe, Nye, in the television of Parliament? Because he believed that in 1954 we must bring television into Parliament. And he said, mm. if there is a Scottish uh, school teaching bill, Scottish teachers would want to watch it. And it's about relating politics by you know using words that people actually use, not talking in this sort of formula speak, which is unintelligible unless you're like me, who watches these interviews on a daily basis and has now learned fluent formula speak. I remember Alan Duncan was once asked about this, and he said, he goes, the trouble is, when you watch it from the outside, you really think, no, they are Muppets. They really are Muppets, the politicians. (laughs) You know, you learn that all that formula speak, which politicians adopt as language, doesn't persuade anybody. But that's good. Department of Education, yeah, break it up into Department of Childcare, Department of Primary Education, Department of Secondary Education, Department of Colleges, Department of Universities. What about yeah. Energy Security Net Zero? I just decided to break it to do Department of Clean Energy, and that's it. Yeah, I would keep. I would roughly keep it the exact same. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think personally, as long as we focus on the clean energy, I don't see any reason to break it up. Well, I, well, I, I would have, I'd have Department for Energy, which, yeah. which, because obviously we still have coal plants, we still have all these non-renewable energies. But also mm. inside that, I would I would change the security net zero wording basically to department for you know um, energy and climate for, change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for yeah, yeah. So and it, some something like that. So something like that. And um, the net zero <sighs> the net zero shouldn't be shouldn't be in a shouldn't be in the name of a uh, of a government organization. What oh a government uh, state department state department. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. What what it should be, what it should be. Is its own. It, it should be a goal of the department rather than the name of the department. You know I, mean? I agree with that. I absolutely agree. Uh, department Defra. How you gonna redefine Defra? I'm gonna break it up to the Department of Rural Affairs, the Department of Food, and that's it. 
Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I'd also, I'd also include the Department of Farming in that. Oh, sorry, yeah, Department of Agriculture as well. Yeah, yeah. Department of Agriculture, um, this is to look at farm subsidies, farm price support programs and mechanisms, mm -hmm. Department of Food to look at food quality, air, water quality, etc. Department of Health to look at transport, Wi-Fi, schools, hospitals, and yeah. local networks for the rural communities. I, I would also increase the funding because this has been severely underfunded compared to oh, the yeah, other one. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. So I, I'd increase the Also, also, what I would do is if you watch Clarkson's Farm, which I know you have, and uh -huh. if, if for anybody, it's how complicated it is for this. So what I would do, oh, I would streamline processes. I would do, I make it easier for them to introduce. So, so for the reviews, but it would be yeah. So, so I, I would improve its efficiency by the by streamlining its processes. It could be by simplifying forms and applications, uh, digitize, uh, digitizing processes and automating tasks where possible. Basically, making the... it straightforward for anybody. Do you know how the? Thank the, the, you. The, I was going to say thank you, James, for not taking the fist out of there. Oh, God, please. Thank you. That was broken. <laughs> Do you know right, how. I can't believe I can't know how to say the word bureaucratic. It's my favourite word to say. It's like the piss out of. <laughs> I'm stumbling over the word bureaucratic. Um, right. You know how bureaucratic like government is. It's not government, is right? So Erskine, I may I may have told the podcast this in the fifty four episodes we've done this now. So Erskine Bowles is Bill Clinton's chief of staff, head of the Bowles Simpson Commission, does uh, uh, the head of the University of North Carolina, and one of his first days he wants to hire more math and science teachers. He wants to get more math and science teachers in, and he says, "Well, aren't there any federal programs we can have to hire more math and science teachers for schemes?" Right? Guess what? There were, there were eighty-two. <laughs> there were eighty-two different schemes to hire more math and science teachers in the university sector. Now, do we need one or two or three excellent programs? Of course, but we don't need eighty-two. And it's about <laughs> reorganizing this government. You know, most of government is on paper. Is it like people say, why does so much government funds go to waste and bureaucracy and fraud and efficiency? Simple. How can a nine to five, Monday to Friday, paper bureaucracy compete with a twenty four seven tech bureaucracy with crooks stealing money from it? Yeah, you know, everyone should go and read the book for the Center for Health Transformation. Now, I'm about to give Newt Gingrich a plug, so everyone brace yourselves. This is something we never thought would happen in the history of the podcast. <laughs> it's a book he wrote called "Stop Paying the Crooks," and he outlined yeah. how there's two hundred billion dollars of fraud in Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, SSDI. And the type of fraud, friends, is not I'm not talking about people, you know, filing papers with one or two clerical errors. I'm talking about a dentist who decided to file for 491 colonoscopies they did in one day. I'm talking about a, a pizza parlor in Florida that posed as a HIV clinic. I'm talking, mm. I'm talking about a salon in Cleveland, Ohio that said they were posing in a hospital and they were doing 61 cataract operations a week. And the federal yeah. government didn't check this because it was on paper bureaucracy. So I think it's about tackling the bureaucracies and saying government must report things quicker, better oversight, better management, and not be so bureaucratic. The farmers, Clarkson, who wants to get a review from the Department of Defra, had to pay half a million pounds for the review on his restaurant, and it wouldn't may not turn out in his favour. Yeah. It's nonsense. It's ridiculously high. So, yeah. again, so again, rethinking this. How do I have rural affairs? How do I have agriculture to look at the farmers and the Department of Food to look at enhancing food support and food quality, etc.? Yeah. James looks like he's tired. <laughs> Why are you tired? I'm not tired, Dad. I'm not tired. I'm not tired. All right, jolly good, jolly good. Uh, Department of Leveling Up Housing Communities. Right, I promise everybody in this in this section, the words Michael Gove, Deanna Davison, Jack Kemp, and Alan Milburn will not come out of my mouth. Oh wait, they just did. Um, just had. <laughs> they just did, right? Um, well, my now, what is my you break this department up? So what you do is you have a department for housing. Now they have the prerogative of public housing, of land redevelopments, of presiding over tenants' bill of rights. So, you know, index rent increases to inflation and appliances being fixed. You have a department of urban, you have a department of leveling up. I think leveling up is actually quite good. 
even though some of the people in it aren't very good, except for two. Um, but the part leveling up is quite good because it's you don't need a plan for urban development because the rural communities matter just as much as the cities matter. So you've got the levelling department yeah. should be focused on developing the whole of the country, not just the urban communities or the, or the rural areas, depending on the whole country. And the communities part I get rid of, and I put that into levelling up. So we can focus on redeveloping uh, urban Wi-Fi, redeveloping the rural schools, and yeah. to have a more localised... And I think that bypassing away the local councillors, and I focus on going to enterprise, private enterprise, going to the local trade unions, going to the, the people who work on the front line, the hospitals and the schools and the small enterprises, and say, what can we do for your community? How can we make your community better? I've become a bit rallying into local councillors since that woman on Clarkson's farm said, we can't build a shop here because of the area of natural beauty, and it turns out it was a shithole. And I don't mean a, a dump. I mean a, a a a field full of shit is what I'm referring to here. So I I don't listen to the local councillors as much. I'm more focused on enterprise leaders, the trade union officials. Trade union officials are very key in this, and the frontline services and get them to work with the leveling up departments. Yeah, but Department of Housing, yeah. So that's what I do. I break this up: to the Department of Housing and Department for Leveling Up. I mean, I completely agree with that. I, I would I would oh, break yeah. them both up. I don't, I don't no. think leveling up should be anywhere near. I know obviously housing does go grow together with leveling up, but leveling up mm. um, has so many different things and it involves so many different mm. factors. So the fact, so the fact that not not only do you have to worry about housing as that as that menace have to worry about housing, but you also have to worry about all the hundreds of thousands of factors mm. that could that come along with it. Let's get Michael Gold like to do the part. So we get Michael Gove well, Michael Gove of housing. The most incompetent he's... person they could think of to, to do the most complicated job. But he's doing it right. And you, this is the first ever job Michael Gove's taken on where he hasn't made a complete hash of it. <laughs> Come on, you've now got a law being passed that says basically tenant, tenants don't get their houses redeveloped within 21 days. It becomes nationalised by the state. That's Michael mm. Gove with someone here, for heaven's sake. So, <clears throat> oh dear. <clears throat> It seems my body is reacting to the stuff that's in my mouth with a very hostile reaction. <laughs> that's an act of God. <laughs> Praising Michael Gove, make him have a choking fit. <laughs> right. Um, department for Science, Innovation, Technology. Right. This is basically Rishi Sunak's favourite department, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, what do we need this for? What do, what do we need this department for that couldn't be put in the Department for Enterprise and Innovation? It's just Rishi Sunak think, being Rishi Sunak. I, I I agree that science and innovation can go into the department of what you just said there. But I think technology on its own should be different on its, its own department. Look, a department of science and technology is one thing because it's like the old thing, isn't it? That they developed a cure for... If you, you know, uh, pro... If you... Uh, slow the onset of Alzheimer's by five years, you will save between six and eight trillion dollars over the next 30 years, not uh, over the next 30 years. So there are huge financial benefits to science and technology, but I think maybe if it was more within the R&D if If you look at Silicon Valley now in America, yeah, those how, much mo- how, how much money does that make the American government? It makes them billions upon billions yeah, a year. Acres, acres. Yeah, mm. and maybe even trillions a year. So basically, the, the the Department for Science, well, bank Innovation, and Technology. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the the Department for Science, Innovation, Technology. Yeah, should be like that. It should be able to foster Silicon Valley esque types of things mm. in Britain. It get get Apple, get Samsung, get all of these yeah. companies over to Britain and start investing in Britain. And what about starting up British companies as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting, actually. An international domestic enterprise to create technology. That's interesting. A few weeks ago, I saw on the news, there was this guy uh, who owns a company, and they've developed these microchips, which basically basically can make your phone run faster or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And they're selling them to Apple and and selling them to Samsung, selling them to all these places. Sound. And they said, said, well, I'm going to... if." There isn't a policy through soon. I'm gonna we're gonna close up shop in the UK and go to go to Silicon Valley because it's so much cheaper. It's so much cheaper mm. to produce. It's so much cheaper. It's but more that's because the regulation again. 
That's why yeah. I, that's why I was rallying the regulation on production because I'd argue the regulation on production is what's driving. It's like okay, how did uh, Mark Cuban and this is my case study for regulation. Mark Cuban with the prescription drugs. How do you get prescription drugs for leukemia to go from three thousand dollars to nineteen dollars ninety nine cents and for the FDA to approve it? He did that by reducing the regulation, the markup price, the bureaucracy, and massively to the prescription drug price, plummeting down and a better yeah. quality. And the solution is deregulate the planning, deregulate the mechanism planning, but increase regulation on consumers, on the workers, so they're protected as well, but that the ability to make something is massively deregulated. So we see innovation, technology. Now yeah. I'm preparing to see line against the wall and shot for being so right-wing on the, on the regulatory points. <laughs> But no, I think, I think it's, you know, look, uh, within the R&D folks, I think it would work. But I'd put more of a science under, you know, the Office of Regulatory Reform. I put it in the there, especially within the provider mm. lens, so we can have new technologies mm -hmm. and new ideas. Right, Department of Transport. Department um, of Transport. I would split up, I would split up to the major, the major parts of transport. So, for instance, you've got buses. planes, trains, buses. And, uh, yeah, so... So, Department uh, of Buses, obviously Department cars. of Rail... Department of Buses, Department of Rail, Department of Aviation. Yeah, and then the Department of Roads. And, depart and the Department for the people who like to go around in comfort, known as driving. Uh, for people who like to drive on the roads and see people on buses and trains and point at them whilst then putting up the car heating up. That Yes, my, my type of people, the people who drive past it, cyclists, point at them and do very unpleasant hand gestures to them in your head. Those those people, they're what Dow would call his soulmates. The people who are fellow 20 million drivers who drive in our nice cars, in nice heating on a cold day. Unlike, I mean, like we're driving today, we were driving to uni. I saw some poor sod at 8 o'clock in the morning having to walk out to Bolton School. That's the route we take, you know, to the motorway. And mm -hmm. I just thought, you poor sod. <laughs> you poor sod in the freezer. So then having done that, I had to naturally put up my car heating a bit. It's ah, very nice. <laughs> but no, uh, in all seriousness, so I have a department of rail that operate a nationalised rail company, a department of bus that operate a nationalised bus company, aviation mm -hmm. that would oversee the privatised air companies and surely more competition and choice, department of uh, road, interesting, so look at, we look at rebuilding the road infrastructure, renationalising the highways agency, to look at uh, reducing fuel duty where possible, to massively expand electric cars and R&D for electric cars, to reduce charge times for electric cars, etc. And that would function of the Department of Roads. For yeah. rail, it'd be operating a nationalised, publicly owned rail company. But I think with the rail and the buses, I'd make them very locally run. So it, it would be yeah. nationally owned with, you know, nationalisation with public oversight, but it, it'd have the mayors running it, not big government bureaucracy. Yeah, absolutely. However, the Department of the Cars will have that deregulated so people like me can sit in our cars with our car heating on and go, ah, lovely stuff, yeah. <laughs> and we, we should create, we, we will not have a department for cyclists because I don't recognise cyclists as anything more than virtue signalling W people. You can finish that thought yourself. <laughs> Maybe we should treat cyclists as how we used to treat treason people. <laughs> out get out get out we should everyone should drive past them put the wind the window down and scream sad flat and drive on <laughs> you can see a new i'm watching a lot of jeremy clarkson's top gear recently yeah but anyways i could spend the rest of the podcast taking the mic out of cyclists but we won't have enough time so let's just get on to the department of working pensions and get back to being serious so working pensions are going to do I'd create a Department of Labour, a Department of uh, Employment, a Department uh, for Social Security, yeah, and, and a Department of uh, in, in, Industry, a Department, those three demands I'd create. So the Department of Labour would be focused solely on the trade unions. So that's actually yeah. stated to be very pro-union and can work with the unions, but, it, but I'd also insist that whoever's the Secretary of Labour has a set good, very good relations with the Secretary of State for Enterprise. Yeah. This is the key. Um, as for the Department of Employment, 
that is more focused on working with the Department of Labor. Department of Labor, we focus on the trade unions. Department of Employment, we're focusing on the people who aren't members of unions and to enhance their employment rights. Yeah. And Department of Social Security, which we used to have merged in the Department of Health for about 50 years, will be brought back to administer the welfare programs. Now, with the welfare programs, anyone who thinks universal credit is a good idea, I advise you go to the hospital, get your brain checked out, because it isn't a good idea by any means of the word. It is a failure, promoted by the man who discovered poverty in 2002 in the mid-40s. Um, I'll never get over that comment, ever. Oh, I have discovered poverty. It took you 40 years to meet a poor person. Jesus Christ. Anyways, um, so the Department of Security will be focused on creating food subsidies, creating uh, energy payment subsidies, looking at costing, reducing the cost of childcare, looking at enhancing pensions, looking at savings accounts, looking at people from welfare to work, which we must do, we must get from welfare to work. I mean, mind you, what do you think about what Mr. Hunt has been saying yesterday? Mr. Hunt came up with an idea that universal credit claimants should have their childcare costs paid up front. Um, quite good. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it basically becomes free childcare for people on benefits. Yeah, it's quite good. I mean, famously, the Germans' childcare costs are one percent of income. We have it at thirty-three percent of our income. Uh, see, now, do you see the problem? Not just the Germans do everything a lot of things more efficient and better than us. And as much as I love America, I also love the Germans in their efficiency. Yeah. They've always been efficient in good times and in very, very bad times. The Germans have always been very efficient in economics. Uh, but also because yeah, they yeah. have the, the Germans carry around the proverbial banner screaming, debt is bad. And uh, obviously, yeah. nearly, anyone who knows anything about the last 54 episodes of my podca the podcast will know that I have that banner stuck on my wall. Debt is bad. Debt is very bad. I think I'm getting that sign on my wall now. Debt is bad. Debt is very bad. Do not ever get into debt, you dick. <laughs> I might have that sign up. I might stick it on my car as on the car as well. Wherever we go, people can see. Oh, he doesn't like debt. Good man, good man. Except I want the profanity. I'll just have debt is bad. Debt is very bad. Just don't do it. <laughs> and then I'll drive into Germany, and we'll get a bunch of people honking their horns and go yeah. But no, um, so they're all inefficient because. An industrial focus. What you got to do? You got to go back to the old industrial chart that Tony Benn had. Have a managed economy. Have government, unions, and enterprise all working together to ensure more production in the economy. Not only create more production, more growth, and more growth, and more revenue. And focusing on putting people back to work in public sector industry. Now, how much do you want it to be industrialized, nationalized ownership? To a point. To a point. You got to have some public ownership of industry some public stakeholding industry and some private enterprise regulation. Right? This is the key, is that from, from about 1945 to about 1979, the unions took a bigger role than enterprise in the economy. And for about 43 years, enterprise taking a much bigger role than the unions. I want to rebalance yeah. the roles. I think that responsible free markets can lift millions of people out of poverty, creates mass amounts of wealth for the economy, as we see in Silicon Valley, for instance, but also anyone who says trade unions doesn't protect workers out of, and keep them in good conditions and doesn't look after them is an idiot. The unions have done outstanding for many, millions of people in the world, and I believe that unions, cleansed of their militancy, should play a very central role in any economy, like capitalism yeah. should, cleansed of its more grasping elements. Yeah. Right. Department of Social Security, so yeah, the food subsidies, the welfare subsidies, the energy subsidies, the etc. Look at childcare costs, and that being the Department of Social Security, DSS. Yeah, I mean, I can, I mean, I completely agree with you there. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing much to add. Um, no, yeah, I, I can't. I generally can't think of anything else to add. I mean, pretty, pretty much exactly what I got on my notes, really. Oh, exactly good. What you've just said. Dolly, good. Well, let's let's see about the Department of Health and Social Care. What would you say about that? Uh, the DHSC. Okay, so I would introduce, I would oh, split no. social care and health up. Yeah, make one, that. both separate departments, and then the Department of Health themselves would then introduce another department, Department of Mental Health. Mm, that's well. interesting. Um, I would also, I would, I would also then um, 
Arosa. Uh, I would also then increase collaboration between each of these departments as well. Interesting. So I have a I have a department for the NHS. So I'd abolish the HSC altogether. I have a department solely for one thing: the NHS, focused mm -hmm. on revamping the NHS, restructurizing the NHS, improving coordination within the NHS, putting more cash in the NHS. And so anyone can see the NHS does not get 189 billion a year; it gets 138 billion a year. And by the way. 13 years ago, 119 billion a year. So we've only given it 2 yeah. billion more every year. The, the DHSD figure is social care, mental health, and private providers is very conveniently taken out of, not is including that and not taken out of the budget. So I'd have a department of NHS, I'd have a department of mental health, certainly, a department of social care, getting us to the yeah. National Care Service, absolutely. By bringing something I call it the Centre for Disease Control, the Centre for Disease Department for Disease Control and Prevention. And this yep. would look at anything from Alzheimer's to brain surgery to uh, to uh, to you know the more uh, physical disease like agoraphobia to more global diseases like a new COVID variant, like a new COVID style disease, and yep. looking at overseeing them and looking at pre-planning them. I'm looking at playing out the scenario and looking at dealing with these scenarios. So the next time we have a pandemic or a massive global disaster, we don't stick our head in the sand or say like Boris Johnson that we can send the virus packing in 12 weeks. We actually have a thing called a fucking plan. That we actually know that, for example, you do not on the 13th of March 2020 liberalise border controls for people coming in from Wuhan and Iran. Yeah, as as this government did, so I'd have a disease planning center that looked at not just global diseases, but also very noisy like Alzheimer's, like agoraphobia, like uh, like depression, and look at cures, look at R and D, and look at ways of either minimizing or eliminating these illnesses. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's the way reforming health, along with the Department of Social Care, Department of Mental Health, the Department of Health, NH the NHS. Yeah. Yeah. And also, what about private health? Do you don't think private health should roll? No, private health is like private enterprise. Oh, you want to be, you want to profit off sick people? Fine. We'll have no part in it. Off you toddle off. That's off. Do you want? I, I yep. cannot, I can, I once said to James, and I'll say this one to a few of my other friends if I ever take out private medical insurance, you are liable to do something horrific to me. I will not yeah. sue you because I never will. I don't believe. Look, and James goes, "Hold a second, didn't you school go suggest we should have school vouchers so people can go to private schools with nine thousand pound vouchers?" Yes, and I still believe in the vouchers, but not for health is different than education, and the abuse in private health is much greater than any abuse in private schools. So we're gonna mm -hmm. think about that. So, but having said that, having said, that, I was reading a study the other day about private health, saying that they, that that. That they... I think that was broken again. Thank you, James, for, for substituting the explanation with a good one. Um, with the, the, the fact that in cataract operations, the National Health Service can only do five a day, and by 2005, private enterprises are doing 57. So there is an argument mm -hmm. of saying, if you could do the treatment safely, we've got, we've got waiting list right now of 7 million people. If we took four of the 7 million, got them in private health, but did it on National Health Service money with National Health Service principles, free of charge, if they could do it quicker and cheaper and the NHS approves of the provider, do it. You know, yeah. we got waiting lists down that last Labour government from what, I think it was nearly 6.8 million to about 2.1 million. By doing that exact method, we said the NHS deal with emergency operations, deal with life-threatening operations, let private health deal with these operations, non-emergency non operations on National Health Service principles, National Health Service values, free of charge, because if people can get a cataract operation done in one day rather than three weeks, yeah. that makes more sense, surely. Yeah. But anyone who thinks, anyone who thinks, by the way, we should charge people for medical operations, uh, I'd like you to have a medical operation done and then say you should be and then be shown the figure of how much it costs for a medical operation and then still say to me you should pay that figure. Yeah. Anyone who believes in privatizing the NHS, I'm trying to think of an insult 
cruel, but wouldn't have anyone gasping horror. But then they got James' head saying, Dad, I think that shit went away a long time ago. <laughs> anyone who believes in the privatization of the National Health Service should very conveniently go and stick themselves in the corner of the room with a dunce hat on, and everyone should be allowed to laugh at them screaming, You're thick. Yeah. Because they, they obviously have a lack of intelligence, if you believe that. Mm-hmm. If you look at our system, and by the way, someone who studied the American healthcare system and wrote and reports and, and things like quite a lot now to improve it, and actually doing a paper, I'm actually doing a paper, a paper that the next time me and James are going to go out, I'm going to get him to read that paper and say where, where the intellectual flaws and the good that stuff are. It's as someone who studied it massively in depth, I am telling you, the National Health Service is head and shoulders thousand times better than a system where people pay private medical insurance and whilst they're in surgery an insurance company then comes up to the doctor and says we demand payment of this bill otherwise switch off all the equipment <laughs> that's what they do these people are fucking evil people say oh well aren't these dictators or war machines evil no it's insurance companies they are literally if, if I believe in the Day of Judgment very passionately, and I believe that, James, because I know that when that Day of Judgment comes, everyone who's ever worked for an insurance company is going to hell. <laughs> they're going to hell. They're going, not not uh, just to hell, they're going to the seventh circle of hell. Anyone who's ever worked for a private health insurance provider, and they're going to be forced to stay there for all of eternity. And we can go from heaven looking down and going, ah, ah, you got one of now you bastards as you can see uh, uh, as you can see I wish I could be a bit more less on the on the fence about private health insurance companies you know I wish I could actually you know, just take a view on these people you know you, you, you seem you seem to you seem to be sitting on the fence quite a lot here though I, I know I know I'm, I'm, just make your mind wish, make your mind I, I should make my mind private health insurance and how, is it do I hate them a lot or do I hate them extremely a lot <laughs> right uh, so that's what I do. So that's why I break them up. Yes. Uh, the FCDO. The only thing I do to the FCDO, the Foreign and Commonwealth Development Office, is I would take the de- development part of the FCDO, re-establish it into DIFI, the Department for International Development. I, I do that because I, I believe massively that we have to play a lead. If we're gonna, we have to play a leading role in developing the third world, sub East Asia, Sub-Saharan Africa, mm-hmm. and. The FCO, I'd refund that so we have better diplomacy operations, better embassies, better embassy staff, and I'd also get foreign aid back to 0.7% of GDP. Yeah, I agree. All right. Now the comes, hardest one. For, well, well, for me, for me, when it comes to the Treasury, oh. the Home Office, yeah. and the Foreign Office, the three, the three great, the three great. Uh, you can't break them up state. really. I, 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 I couldn't think of anything to do with them. Maybe improve right. communication. Maybe, maybe foster okay. innovation. Like with the, the with the treasury, if you had to break, if I got a chance to break it up, here's what I'd do: I'd create a department for tax simplification and, and department tax simplification and overhaul. I'd create a department of office and management and budget, like the OMB in America. I'd create a department of budgetary regulation and standard provision, and I'd have those three departments working along each other. So you have a department on tax code, department on budget deficits, department on the financial spending in general. However, the mm. chance of breaking up the treasury is about as likely as me being able to walk to the moon backwards. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even touch the treasury. I think the treasury is fine. I'll say that's in- the same with the Home Office and the Foreign Office. Home Office to touch it, it's too dangerous. Because then you're getting in the business of security people and security staff, and well, the, the, mm-hmm. yes, you you don't want to. The chance of, of 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 breaking up the home office is about as good as walking to the sun backwards and coming back to Earth without being burnt. That's never going to happen. <laughs> uh, the foreign office, well, no, it's more the foreign office just quite a bit of fine tuning and taking development back into DFID, not the FCDO. Yeah, so true. Foreign, so that's that's it there. Uh, Ministry of Defense. Uh, no, better divisions. Either, better divisions. You know, more a, a, an office for the army, an office for the navy, an office for the the, the air battalions, and more clarification on roles in the yeah. uh, administration of MOD. Maybe a solution. Maybe a better focus on the equipment program. Maybe the, question is, the question is the question is the question for that is do you want to divide? Do you want to divide our armed forces? I don't think you do. I think you want to keep them no. all under one branch. No, I, I, 
no, look, they're still known as the armed forces, but I think there's nothing wrong with experts working within the army division, with navy men working within the navy division, and with air force people working the air force division to recommend to the MOD how to improve these three, rather yeah, than just working yeah, under I one would, I, I, would, I wouldn't make a department of uh, the air force. I make a department. No, no, would I? No, would I? Make I'd make it divisions oh, okay. within the MOD. I'd yeah, make okay, it clear yeah, divisions yeah. within the MOD. You can't yeah, break yeah, up the yeah. MOD. Breaking the MOD is about as sensible as flying as finding the planet Pluto and rediscovering it, and then walking <laughs> backwards to the planet Pluto. That's about as much time as you have as breaking up the MOD. Never. <laughs> um, the MOJ, Ministry of Justice. Could you break that up? Mm -hmm. Well, you could, really. you could. You could have a Department of Courts, a Department of Courts. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Police. I guess so. Why and a department of prisons? The home office, a department of courts, in a department of prisons, and a department of rehabilitation. All yeah. three separate departments administering court sentencing, department focused on prisons, and department focused on rehabilitation of prisons. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the Advocate General for Scotland. I have no idea what the fuck that does. I'm well into our government. Obviously, leader of the Office House. Of the Advocate General. Wait, let's, let's, let's have a read, Joey. Uh, his Majesty's Advocate General for Scotland on Scottish Gaelic Adnik Tadig and Rick Arisot Alba, which is one of the law officers of the Crown Court, uh, whose duty is to advise the Crown and His Majesty's government in Scots law. Oh, so it's basically the Chief Scottish Lawyer. Fair enough. Oh dear, okay, fair enough. Obviously, Leader of the House, that's fine. Michael Foot's old job. Leader of the Lords, yeah, equally fine. It's yep. headed by a man called Lord True. That's what that's what that, that's what I that's what I was thinking. The Why right are you a conservative, Lord True? The right honourable, the Lord True. True. <laughs> it's like Lord Panic. <laughs> There's actually a Lord that has a Lord's called Lord Panic. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Uh, obviously, your state of Scotland, fine. Wales, fine. Mm -hmm. And UK export finance, I'd merge that within uh, within international trade and manufacturing. Yeah, I would. Yeah, absolutely. I would do the exact same. All right. Um, should we take on some of these bodies, these regulatory bodies, or is that? Oh, do you think we've, I think we've covered enough? I think we've covered enough. I think, yeah, we've covered enough. Enough. I think yeah. we have. I think we have. It's uh, a short episode, it? but I mean, it's a short episode, but un un unusually short and informative. Yeah. Oh, weirdly. Don't worry, on Sunday it's the budget, so we'll be going on for another hour and a yeah. quarter, an hour and twenty. Oh, but this is, yeah, weirdly. Alright, we'll just talk for the next uh, couple of minutes just to fill up the hour mark. Can't remember if it's only 58 minutes. So then I'll have James going, could we really not have found 120 seconds of things to say just for the hour mark? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I would say that. I, you would I say would that? Say exactly, I don't think exactly how it does. The second it hits an hour, you do. If it's an hour and two yeah, seconds. Right. Yes. What around ten decisions did not vote for the government's illegal migration bill tonight? Oh, good. The government will not intervene to block a suspension of. Oh yeah, what do you think about the the rich shark Gary Lineker row? I think okay. Well, the best way to put it is the best way to put it is would this have happened if Gary Lineker supported the bill? No, no. So exactly. So why should it happen if he's against the bill? I, I think personally, let's look at this. Andrew Neil said one should vote Tory. Jeremy Clarkson said that. Striking workers should be shot in front of their families. Alan Sugar, everyone should vote Tory. And he all worked for the BBC. Michael Portillo was a Conservative minister working for the BBC. They didn't break impartiality laws. But conveniently, a, a, a pro-European social democrat says breaking international law isn't a good idea. No. All of a sudden, that's apparently that's worse than saying striking public sector workers should be shot in front of their families. As Jeremy yeah. Clarkson said, which yeah. I find dementing. I mean, the BBC, I mean, I love the BBC. It's, it's, it's irritating but adorable. It's just being run by a bunch of right-wing hyenas. Yeah, having well, said we that, could, we appointed... We could, we, we could do an episode on the BBC. We could. We could look at all the reports into reforming the BBC, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, having said that, we appointed Greg Dyke, who was... I mean, everyone's about, Re Re about Richard Sharp. Being, and Richard Sharp is a, is a scumbag because he's a chairman... He donated 400 grand to the Tory party and gave an 800,000 pound loan to Alexander Forrester Pepple Johnson. We appointed Greg Dyke, 
who happened to be a Labour Party member for 30 years before he was appointed Director General of the BBC. So, <laughs> we, it's not like we're innocent. Having said that, we didn't ask Greg Dyke to do an £800,000 loan for Tony Blair. No, true. And we don't, we, and we didn't make the offer. I mean, like, who did the BBC make the office for impartiality? Mr. Robbie Gibb. And who is Mr. Robbie Gibb in charge of impartiality at the BBC? Theresa May's Director of Communications. <laughs> So he's fucking impartial, isn't he? My God, these people are disgusting. But Mr. Su- Mr. Sunak, as I now am prone to always calling the Prime Minister, Mr. Sunak doesn't support Richard Sharp. Also, I call the Daily Mirror, say Jeremy Hunt wants to do a, a triangulating student strategy with his budget, saying he wants to net in moderate Labour MPs at the expense of the right-wing Conservative MPs. Now... If that actually is the strategy, and it's not just a bit of uh, window dressing, oh, what an image, uh, but it actually is the strategy, fair play. Fair play. I respect people who want to build bridges and coalitions like Simon Clark and Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwateng and all those, the merry band of clowns, said, Jeremy Hunt's got to cut taxes in this budget. I am so tempted to go out to Westminster, go to Simon Clark and say, do you read the news? Do you do you remember what happened six months ago when the pensions collapsed, the economy collapsed, the growth collapsed, the schools, everyone's on its knees? And it seems that the trust team and all them tosses are came to the exact same thesis that led to Liz Trust being thrown out of power in 44 days. Yeah. They're just thickos. I'm sorry, they're thick. Like, even I know you got to, yes, tax cuts are good. But do them when you can afford them. Do them when it's when you're yeah. ready. Do them when you've got the budget balance and you've got the schools and hostels rebuilt. Then cut taxes. Not before. But apparently, but conservatives, right, think intelligence is a luxury most of them can't afford. <laughs> so let's wait for the budget with Jeremy Hunt. We'll do it on Sunday, talk about their budget. Yep. And then I promise you, for those people who are starved of our lack of American politics, once I've got my proposal written up and, and, and James has gone through it to see that it isn't crazy enough, I'm actually going to launch the idea on, on the podcast and do an hour-long discussion on it. Right. So, so that will be in a fort, that'll probably be next Sunday. So not this Sunday that's coming. That'll be this Sunday. So that'll be uh, the 26th. All right, I think that's an hour, isn't it? I think that's about an hour time. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember I spent a minute test recording this. Just going, hello, hello, all right, chaps, how we doing? Hello, hello, hello. I don't to hear that. But I, just, I was just, actually, I was doing the first minute of the podcast in the testing record and hearing it all back in my pods going, yes, <laughs> this is good quality, we approve, we approve. But it's like they got rid of Anchor now and they put Spotify for podcasters. First of all, what was the fucking need? Anchor was quite well for me, thank you. But now Spotify Podcasters, I can see all the data and the analytics of the podcast. Uh, I'll have a few bones to pick with people on this. You know, um, you know, you know, you can record on that app. Yeah, only for half an hour though. Oh, only for half an hour. Oh, I don't know that. Now, James, our podcast <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it was you and Michael. It'd be half an hour because you're very good at condensing the information and getting to the facts. Yeah, yeah. You and me, I can, I love the sound of my own voice. And I love the sound of your voice, and my friends' voices and ideas, and I love droning on. I mean, James, we, I did an episode of the podcast that was for 90 minutes, and I was on my own talking. <laughs> Without breaking a breath, I just went on and on and on. <laughs> I have, I developed, I've given you, I'll tell you the Sam Nunn thing, I mean, I'm a Sam Nunn, Sam, Senator Nunn thing, I'm there. When uh, the Republicans passed a, a bill to, the Republicans in passed a bill to uh, put a, a massive wall over the Mexican border. This this has yeah. been around for decades. So Sam Nunn, the Democrat senator from Georgia, very respected by both sides on military and foreign affairs, went to the Senate floor and calmly for an hour decided to read out everything you would need to do that. Within five minutes, the Republican Party got some of the senators got out white tissues and napkins and started waving it around. <laughs> no, stop. Just cease with this man. And he just kept reading aloud. He just said, Mr. President, here are all the things you have to require to seal the border. 
71 new military bases, 10,000 new soldiers, 21,000 air guardsmen, 55, it's one like that, reading it for a full hour. But you stop for six minutes later because they got a motion to abandon the bill. Yeah. And it was always said to him, Russell, Bird, uh, Kennedy, Teddy Kennedy, that was, uh, McCain, Hatch, Simpson could wipe the floor with you in argument. And that's what mm. they do very calmly, just think, oh, my. right, we definitely got through an hour now. All right. I will talk, see you all on Sunday, good listeners. See you Sunday.